Thank you for taking the time to view this message online. You can connect with us more through our comments section of this video, through our Facebook page, or through our website, nhgj.org. We're in a series of messages related to the gospel according to Mark and focused on the servanthood of Jesus Christ. And this is the third message in this series, and it'll be going on for a few weeks here. And uh, the, the focus really is for us to go into the book of Mark and see the consistency of Jesus's life as a servant within the kingdom. There's a study guide that accompanies uh, these messages. You can find it on our website, nhgj.org, and you can download it, or you can go uh, come by our offices during the week, and we'd be happy to pass it along uh, to you. So this study guide will kind of be, work as a follow-up to each week's message. And again, if you go out to the website, click on uh, View Services Online, there'll be a link there that has each week uh, associated to, the, to uh, the weekly lesson. So in this message, this is a follow-up to the second message that really looked at uh, Jesus's values as a servant. You know, we talked about the difference between stated values and real or expressed values. And so stated values are those things that we'll talk about, but not necessarily that we're living them out. And real values are the ones that we actually not only say, but do. We live out, and so people can tell they're a value in our life. Well, this message follows that up by looking at the priorities of Jesus the servant. Uh, we typically don't have conflicts in our priorities between good and bad. Those are easy to differentiate and, uh, and our ability to pick out just the good things that we want to prioritize, it comes really easy to us. The, the tension, the difficulty comes when we're choosing between things that are important and things that are urgent. Uh, the urgency tends to drive a lot of our actions. The things that are immediately in front of us tend to direct our lives and our priorities more than the things that are important to us. And so when we look at the, the priorities that Jesus lived by, it was much different. He lived with this tension between what's urgent and what's important all the time. His ministry really was Character, it was characterized by this uh, ability to focus what was on uh, what was most important instead of the things that were just urgent. And so this really helped clarify his life's purpose and to accomplish that. More often for you and I is that we don't do as well with that tension. We tend to, in many areas of our lives, gravitate towards one or the other. We don't really like that in-between tension. In fact, we see it in the culture all around us. People really want to pull people, pull you, pull myself into one category or another category, assign you one priority or the other priority. They don't really want to make space for you to differentiate and decide, well, what is it that God's saying to me is important? What is it that I feel like uh, I'm supposed to do? What is it that I need to prioritize in my life? And so that's where we're looking at is Jesus dealing with this tension and how well he does with it. Now in Jesus's life in Mark chapter, excuse me, John chapter 19, verse 30, 
It says, when Jesus had received the sour wine, this is at his crucifixion, the end of his life. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. That's really incredible, isn't it? That here's Jesus on the cross and his final words recorded in John 19.30 are, it is finished. I think so many of us would just say, yes, Lord, that's what I want my life to be. When my days come to their end, I want to be able to say, it is finished with the it not just being the calendar of my days, but the purpose of my days. That I have fulfilled God's purpose for my life. That you have accomplished what it is that God has put you on this earth for. It is finished. May that really be each of our ability, our, our, our end words, our final words as we come to the end of our lives as well. Three words Jesus sums up his life's work in recognition that he stayed focused on what the Father asked him to do. It is the summation of his life's work of redemption of mankind and to usher in the kingdom. Well, as I've said before, we come to the gospel according to Mark, and it's not just for us to admire his life. Many people admire the life of Jesus, but it is for the follower of Jesus, the Christian, to not only admire, but to follow and pursue Christ-likeness in our lives. And so would you join with me in prayer as we go back to the book of Mark and we look at the servant's priorities. Lord, it is difficult for us to live with tension in our lives. We tend to give way to whatever is pushing us or pulling us uh, one way or the other. And so the tendency is to align ourselves with the desires of others and the urgency with which they want us to respond or the urgency with which things happen or pop up in our life. And oftentimes we leave behind what's important. But Lord, not you. And so I pray as we look to the scriptures once again that we have a capacity, you give us the ability to follow in your footsteps in this way, this, this discipling way, the way of Jesus, that we would both see your life, admire it, and then passionately follow it. Lord, help us not to give way to pushing aside tension, but being able to live with that tension of that which is important versus that which is urgent. So Lord, we thank you for your word. Open it up to us, we pray. Holy Spirit, lead us, guide us in this time, we ask in Jesus's most holy name. Amen. Well, we go to Mark chapter 1, verse 35 through 39, and uh, we've been in Mark 1 for the past couple weeks, and so we continue there, but we do move forward just a little bit, a little bit later in the message. But we start at Mark 1, 35 to 39. It says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. 
Well, you can probably already guess, but the first of the priorities I'm going to highlight is that Jesus lived the priority of prayer. For Jesus, the priority of prayer was one that he lived, like his values. It wasn't just something that he talked about. It was something that he lived out, something that he did. In this particular passage that we were looking at in verse 35, where it starts out, it says, and rising very early in the morning. The actual translation for this identifies that it, the early morning piece, it was the last watch of the night, somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. in the morning. This is when Jesus got up and went out to pray. I struggle sometimes in the mornings. Uh, some of my best times are actually in the evenings, uh, but I also appreciate how in the morning, you can typically find some of that time alone and a priority to be able to, the ability to set the day ahead of you. And so I think it is with Jesus, he had so much happening and it says that early in the morning, it's this last watch of the night between three and six. It's this time when he is going out to be with the Father when nothing else is happening around him and also before everything is about to happen. He made it a priority. Mark tells us that he could not keep up this tremendous schedule without giving time, devoting this time to be with Father God. There was so much that was happening, so many people who were coming to him and being press, pressing into him, asking for healing and the teaching that he was doing. He understood that all of this needed to come out of his life with the Father and not just in his own strength. I think we're all reminded of that. I know I am regularly reminded that I come to the end of myself rather quickly when I'm just doing it on my own strength. I, I run out of energy. I run out of patience. I run out of creative ideas and, and thoughts about how to address things in my life. But when I've spent time with the Lord, when I have taken time to be alone with Jesus, I find myself renewed and refreshed. It doesn't mean everything else goes away for me, but it does mean that my thoughts are renewed, my mind is renewed to be more like that of Christ. My energy is no longer my, my physical ability to accomplish things. I'm not leaning just on what I can do, but I'm trusting in the Lord for what he wants to do. And maybe most importantly, that my priorities are rightly aligned that what I should be focused on are rightly aligned in prayer, knowing that there's so much that's going to be coming our way. William Barclay has this that he says, prayer will never do our work for us. What it will do is strengthen us for the work which must be done. Prayer isn't just wiping our hands and saying, there, I prayed, I don't have to deal with it. But what it does do is it strengthens us for what's yet to come. And we see this so often in Jesus's life. So I'm starting with this uh, priority of prayer because it's from this connection point that everything else flows from our lives. Remember that I started this message by saying that our conflicts that come are not usually good versus bad, but important versus urgent. But how do I know the difference? How do I not get derailed from what's most important? Or just because it's urgent 
doesn't necessarily mean that God doesn't think it's important. So how do I differentiate or how am I able to discern, maybe is a better word, what it is that God feels is important for me? I don't think that I can really understand that unless I've spent time with Jesus and I've discerned his voice and understand what he would have for me. We're reminded back where Jesus is tempted out in the desert that he was led by the Spirit out to the desert. Not only was he led by the Spirit into the desert, he was led by the Spirit through the desert. May it be said of myself, may it be said of you as well, if you're a follower of Jesus, that you are led by the Spirit through your decision-making priorities, uh, decision-making process to know what priorities are most important to God. That's the first, but the second priority I want to highlight is getting time away from the daily grind, the pressures of the day. This is Mark chapter 2, verses 23 to 28, and then also Mark chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. And it says this, it says, One Sabbath he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abithar, the high priest, and he ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat. And he also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Mark 3, 7 and 8 says, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea, and from beyond the Jordan and from all around Tyre and Sidon. You see that first part, it says Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea. I want to highlight this point that Jesus had the priority of personal time away from pressures. Jesus took the time to get away from the crowds and everything else that was happening. Jesus took time with his disciples as they're walking through the wheat fields. And he specifically makes the point that the Sabbath was made for man to be a blessing to man and not man to live under the burden of the Sabbath. Jesus withdrew from his disciples and he withdrew with his disciples. In fact, Mark, in his recording of the gospel, tells us that 11 different occasions, there there are these moments in which Jesus withdrew from his work in order to pray, to rest, or for private times with his disciples. For all of the activity in Jesus's life, remember we we talk about how Mark's record of Jesus's life is very fast-paced and very active and demonstrating Jesus's life and his interactions that the kingdom of God has come. For all of that activity that's taking place, it's maybe not surprising to us that Mark wants to highlight 11 different occasions in which Jesus withdraws from people. We should take note that whenever It's recorded in the scriptures that there's repetition there, that something is stated over and over. It is a basically a highlighter written into our Bibles that we need to take note of that. And this is something that Mark wants us to take note of. This is something that he's highlighting for us 11 different times where he's saying, Jesus 
got away to be in prayer. Jesus got away in order to rest. Jesus got away from the crowds in order to be with the disciples. He wants us to see that out of all of Jesus's activity, he also took time to come away from people for rest, for prayer, and for fellowship with the disciples. Jesus understood that it's life's pressures and with life's pressures, things magnify, they don't reduce. They, the more that you do, it doesn't check off more things out of the box and eliminate the, the to-do list. In fact, we tend to say that, oh, I'll do that when things slow down. Oh, I'll get to that when the pace just kind of slows down for me and I can get to it. You ever notice, I sure have, <laughs> have you ever noticed the pace doesn't slow down? Things don't really change. We pick up and things really get busy. Things are not going to automatically slow down for us. We have to slow them down. And Jesus does exactly that. He takes time away from the pressures. It's also Jesus withdrawing and, and making a priority of this time away to keep things in proper perspective, to get away from the pressures while spending time privately by himself. It allows the pressures not to dictate the priorities, but it allows his time with the Father and his time away from the pressure to get clarity around what's most important. Everybody, every one of us needs private time. It's different from our ordinary responsibilities. It's time when you do things for no other purpose than to enjoy them and to gain clarity about what is happening in your life. And part of that private time needs to be spending time with the Lord for no other purpose than you just simply enjoy him. In fact, I, I really appreciate uh, author Pete Scazzaro. He provides four things that make up a good day of rest or a Sabbath, a, a good time to pull away. Let me highlight them for you here. It says the first one is to stop. To get time away, we have to stop. We have to cease from our activity. In fact, that's what the word Sabbath really means. It means to cease or to stop. And that's the first step. If we're going to get away from things, if that's going to be a priority, we have to stop from our regular activities. No more grinding it out. We need to rest. So we don't want to finish the day exhausted physically, emotionally, and mentally. If we're truly going to take time away, we need to make sure that it's time away from that exhaustion, that taxing of our mind and our bodies and our emotions. We need to be able to rest. The third thing is that we should take time to delight. Real rest and, and, and peace and the ability to get away is when we have delight in something that God has done for us. Delighting in good food, delighting in our time with family or friends, delighting in God's creative order and getting out into uh, nature and just being able to delight in something that he's done. Go to a bakery, read a book, watch a movie, be outdoors, something that reminds you of God's goodness to you. So delighting is third. And then lastly, contemplating God or spending time with God. Be sure that in this time that you take away, it's not time away from God, it's time with God. God should always be included in these times when we stop, when we stop from our activity, when we take time to rest, when we take time to delight. They should be intentionally focused on times with God, not away from him. And in those moments, we can be refreshed. In those moments, we find clarity for what our priorities should be in our times of 
getting away to be alone or to getting away to be with those who are close to getting away to be with God. The third and final priority I want to highlight is for Jesus the servant is the priority of his calling. This comes from Mark chapter 3. That's right, we've stepped forward just a bit to look at Mark chapter 3, verses 20 through 34. It says, Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again, so they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebub, and by the prince of demons he casts out demons. And he called them to him, and he said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven of the children of man and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying he has an unclean spirit. And his mother and his brothers came and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him and they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Which leads us to the third priority. Jesus was committed to the priority of his calling. Jesus was committed to the priority of his calling. He spent time with his disciples preparing them for works of ministry. We see this in this passage. Jesus over and over and Mark presents this to us. He was continually with his disciples. He was continually working with them, discipling them. And we talked about that as a value as well. He valued discipleship. Likewise, he had this priority in his calling. He knew what he was supposed to do. His priority isn't just doing miracles or ushering the kingdom. Part of his priority and his calling is to be with his disciples. He did not allow busyness to distract him from his overall objective of training and releasing ministry to others. That was a tremendous priority for Jesus. He was always including the disciples of the things that he was doing. It was part of his calling. He invested in them so that they could do what he did. Discipleship, investing in his disciples was a priority. He committed himself to servanthood instead of pride. Oh my goodness, can you imagine how easy it would have been for Jesus to slip into pride with people continually gathering at the doors everywhere he went, huge crowds, so much so that he oftentimes had to pull away out, out in a boat, out in the lake, just so that he could speak to them. For many of us, I know myself, for many of us, pride would slowly creep in there. It would be so easy to think that they were really impressive. In fact, Jesus was really impressive. And yet, he was so humble in his approach. He took upon himself the attitude and the posture of a servant 
and not arrogance or pride in his life. He never exalted himself or relied on his own abilities. He always did what the Father was telling him to do. He always made that the focus of what he was doing. And he always gave the Father credit for what was happening in his life. The works that he did, he always said, were because his Father was at work through him. Servanthood flows out of humility. And Jesus had the priority that in his calling, he wasn't going to live out his calling with arrogance and pride, but in servanthood and humility. Another point about his calling is that Jesus did not allow other people or his own emotions to control him. I find this so fascinating and so powerful how Jesus responded both to his own family and also to the religious leaders. His family, verse 21 of chapter 3, his family thought he was insane. They thought he was out of his mind. They went to take charge of him, the scripture says. They they, They went to take possession of or seize him by force. They were intending to take him against his will and force him to comply with what they thought was best. Of course, they were motivated by the idea of we're helping him out. He doesn't know what he's saying. He's, he's lost his mind. We're, we're there because we care about him. We want to help give him perspective of what his life really should be. He's, he's lost any sense of his identity. Quite the opposite. Jesus had a very clear picture of his identity, and it was they, his family, who were not hearing from God. He had such a strong priority around his calling that he wasn't going to be distracted, even by his own family who thought he wasn't seeing things clearly. They were simply acting out out of their concerns for him, but he was acting out of his priority of calling. Similarly, the religious leaders thought he was demon possessed. Verse 22, Jesus knew who he was and who his master was. And as important as family may be and as important as the religious leaders may have been in the community and the culture around him, Jesus made it clear that there was no greater priority than doing the will of God. Because Jesus knew who he was, he did not lose sight of his goal and his calling. That's such a critical part for us to understand the pressures that come around us. So likewise, if we're going to be effective servants, we must be committed to what God is committed to. Jesus was totally committed to doing the will of the Father. Jesus' calling was to do the Father's will, even if other people, even when other people, including his own family, thought he was out of line. Now, to this last point about commitment to calling, I want to remind us that, like Jesus, our first calling is to our Father. Let's not get it bent or twisted. Our first calling is not to tasks. Jesus wasn't fulfilling a bunch of tasks tasks and objectives. He was fulfilling what the Father was asking him to do. The first priority is always to our relationship to our Heavenly Father. Everything we do comes out of that calling. And Jesus was still able to be a servant and love people through his calling. So likewise, if you or I think then that our calling allows us to be hurtful or dismissive of other people in Jesus' name, then we really need to get more clarity from our Father 
because somehow we've missed our calling. If we think that our calling involves not having loving attitudes and responses and having loving actions towards other people, we've missed it. We've heard something wrong somewhere because God's calling for us always, always, always involves loving other people. Now that doesn't mean that we won't speak the truth. That doesn't mean that we won't do things that sometimes are off-putting to people, but that does mean that our attitude, our posture, is always one out of love and care for others and not out of pride or arrogance or dismissiveness of others. We should never get hot-headed. We should never be aggressive in our approach that is unloving and dismissive of people. We should always be loving. We may not please everyone by living out our calling, but we are called to love everyone through our calling. So with that, let me recap the priorities that Jesus demonstrated for us. They were not merely spoken, but he lived them out in his life. And likewise, these are priorities that we should not just admire, but that we also should pursue and seek to live out in our life. The servant's priorities are these, prayer. Prayer, spending time with the Father to gain clarity around what our life should be focused on. Time away. This can include prayer, but it also is time away to delight in the Lord, time away to rest and cease from our other activities, time away to delight in what he's done for us, time away to be with him, and also time away to spend important time with key relationships like he did with the disciples. And then lastly, the priority of the calling, loving others through our calling. And so Jesus had real clarity and intentionality and priority focused on his calling. Likewise, you and I need to have a priority around what our calling is. Our primary calling to be with God, to know him, and out of that time then our calling to love others. And what does that look like to bring the gospel to the world around us? Well, the Lord bless you as you go forward and live this out. I wanna pray for you for our time together as we establish what these priorities look like in these modern days, which are so tumultuous, filled with so much controversy, controversy, so much tension. Again, I think of how Jesus would interact in these days. And I know with great confidence, just by looking in the scriptures and by the way of the spirit, he wouldn't align himself with one group or this group. Jesus would align himself with the gospel. He would be a prophetic voice in this moment. He wouldn't sound like this one. He wouldn't sound like that one. He would have a unique sound that reflects the gospel. And that's a challenge for each of us to live in that tension. His priorities reflecting out of our lives so that people can't readily say, oh, you're a part of that group or, oh, you're a part of that group. There should be enough tension in our lives that they are having difficulty pin us, pinning us down one side or the other because we're not on their side or their side. We're on God's side. We're desiring that the scriptures would be manifest in our life and we'd be a prophetic voice to the world around us as we live out the servant's priorities. You can find more resources for this service at nhgj.org. Email us your prayer requests to prayer at nh4gj.org. If you are a new follower of Jesus, we have a free resource for you called Following Jesus. To receive a copy, send a request to info at nh4gj.org. If you would like to partner with our ministry through giving, you can do that online at nhgj.org giving or by mail to 641 
Horizon Drive, Grand Junction, Colorado, 81506. Thank you for being with us and may the Lord bless you.